had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. I'm in love with Could you. make me be true. Snap out of it. Could make me be true. The magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Had to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and we are starting a whole new miniseries uh, on queer romance, where I'm inviting uh, LGBTQ guests to talk about uh, queer romance movies that mean a lot to them, that they love, that they uh, have a lot to say about. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to start off the miniseries. Uh, before we do that, though, I just want to give some housekeeping um, the Bad Romance miniseries is still unfinished. There's The last episode is yet to come because I had a delay with the guests. So hopefully we can record that at some point. I know, I think I, I think I mentioned that I want, we're talking about The Shining um, in, in the previous episode a month ago. So that's coming at some point. But I just wanted to forge ahead with queer romance. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about my guest, who is uh, the uh, founder and editor-in-chief of Awards Watch, Eric Anderson. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm excited, too, because, um, you know, of course, I've been reading, you know, your site forever. I've heard you on other podcasts, been following you forever. So quite a thrill to have you on the podcast to open up this new miniseries and the movie you chose is one that I hold really dear to my heart as well. Um, so would you like to introduce the film for us today? Yes. Uh, when you presented me with the the idea of this, I, I love the, the, the concept of the podcast. So I ran through a few titles which are, you know, really important to me. Clearly, anyone that's, you know, ever watched me on a podcast knows that I have a Brokeback Mountain poster behind me all the time, although that is not what I selected. It, that felt like it was going to be like a really too obvious choice and, and maybe <laughs> you know, would have already been picked anyway. So I started kind of going back through the movies that I really came up with in terms of what queer romances could be. Um, and I landed on my beautiful laundrette from Stephen Frears, which I think is, as we'll talk about it in a little bit, um, just wonderfully romantic, weird, uh, amazingly Positive and sex positive for 1985. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's that's what I picked. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad you picked this movie. Um, you know, Brokeback Mountain, of course. You know, I love the poster. Um, definitely, I, if no one picks that movie, I'm just going to pick it for myself at the end of the miniseries. Because, I mean, that is like the queer romance of at least my generation or at least of the last 20 years or so. Um, but... My Beautiful Laundrette is definitely a movie that I uh, I love it. I mean, I've seen it. I don't think I saw it until a couple of years ago because it, it was a little hard to find. And then I think it was on Criterion Channel during like early lockdown. And I was like, you know, finally, like I have the time. It's right here in front of me. I can watch it. So and I just fell in love with it. And it was like one of those movies where I just like, couldn't believe that it existed at the time that it did. And I was like, wait, there's a queer romance and it's about South Asian people in London. And there's like all this like interesting political uh, concepts and themes at play. And it looks beautiful. And it was made for television. And it was made by Stephen Frears. Like it was just, uh, just a lot of uh, really exciting kind of elements to it. Um, and so for me, yeah, like I really, I found it to be, Every time I watch it, I kind of had a different, like, kind of like what I appreciated the most. Like, I think when I first saw it, it was like, I saw it as this very, like, um, like, very, like, sexy kind of, like, exciting movie. And then the second time I watched it a few weeks, a few years ago, uh, maybe like one or two years ago, I guess, um, 
I saw it as like a really tender kind of romance. And then this time the political stuff really jumped out to me. Um, so what's been your experience over the years? Like, do you remember the first time you saw it and how has it evolved for you over, you know, the last couple of times you've seen it? Yeah, I, I had not watched it in, in a minute as well. And it's one of the things I always love about revisiting. I mean, any movie, because you, your life experience is different every five years. So how you regard something can feel different and your personal uh, experiences can shade and offer different insight. So this came out in 1985. I would have been 14 at the time and lived in a very, very small town and did not, we didn't have movies like this here. So I actually came to it much later not i guess not much later but maybe almost a decade or half a decade later with home video home video was like the greatest thing to happen uh you know next to you know being able to read in a library with privacy you know about yeah. subjects and topics that you were not really able to do publicly so right right and and this was this was certainly that um so i mean i i loved it passionately at the time uh and it, it was it was interesting because i i looked at it obviously for just the the gayness just the the mm-hmm. openness of it um and how incredibly attractive everybody is right. <laughs> oh my god um but it was it was funny because i related to it i i guess in a way that seemed obvious yet totally wasn't obvious mm-hmm. uh i you know am not a british punk uh, and I have not dated a South Asian Muslim man. Right. But when I was 16, um, I was certainly similar to Daniel Day-Lewis's character um, in a lot of ways, just the rebellious and bleached hair and just kind of like a fuck you punk. <laughs> not extreme like in, in the movie, but but that. Um, but I did have a Mexican immigrant boyfriend at the time. That was a big secret. Like nobody knew, no, nobody knew. Um, and it was fun and it made our, our time together, uh, you know, dangerous and risky, but really fun too. Um, and having not seen the movie in a long time, I hadn't thought about him in a really long time. Uh, so it really, it made me think of that and it just gave me a very different, uh, view of, of the movie than when I was, you know, 20 or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, uh, I mean, thank you for sharing that because I feel like this movie just has this like you know, really, like, um, I mean, it, it feels very modern for its time, but, like, it also feels, like, very, like, oddly nostalgic just because, you know, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't born in 1985, but, like, you know, a lot of the kind of the way that these families interact with each other is, like, similar to the kinds of interactions that, you know, I was experiencing in the 90s, you know, and, of course, I wasn't in England, I was here in America, but, uh, like, having these, like, family parties where everyone's kind of spread out through the house and there's like one room with all the men and like one room with all the kids and like you know there's like generations of people like kind of having like um not like secrets from each other but just like the interactions are so different and um you know i mean i I wish i had seen this movie when i was a little younger like in, in my teens um because then, like, I wonder what that would have been like, but seeing it in 2020 um, for the first time, like, on a streaming service when I'm, like, fully out, um, it was, just, it was I definitely, like, feel that there was this, like, 
I don't know. I, I felt like weirdly nostalgic for this kind of like time period when like it was like pre-digital, you know, whatever. I don't yeah. know. It's just like one of those like I've been I anytime I watch something from like the eighties and the nineties, I feel just like, wow, like life like it's like hitting me like how different life is now and like how much has changed and evolved, like how much I've changed and like how much like these things that are um really like a part of like how we grew up have just changed and like I don't know if like kids now are having those same experiences or those same observations as I had of like people around them. Um and yeah the the romance of this movie like it's really hot. Like it, I'm like I don't mean that glibly but like it, there's just like I I, f- I feel like even like when you watch queer romances now, like it's so rare to have that kind of like intensity. Um, I feel like there's so much more. I think things just get got, have gotten like sanded down a lot with like modern queer romance, especially the ones like around like. Teen- I mean, I'm talking mainly about like movies and stuff. Um, and so I'm like, wow, this movie like feels very like visceral and like physical and like. Mm-hmm. Um, and the chemistry is really palpable um and, and uh yeah i mean i just like really i i felt like i really responded to that in this this time around as well of just like um i mean not just between like johnny and omar but also between uh nasser and rachel like i felt like their romance like i i kind of realized like how much their love story is almost like a secondary a plot to omar and johnny's like not to the extent, but like, I think it's almost like equal, or at least like there's a lot of, there's a lot of depth to it, which is something that I, I, I don't think I noticed the first two times watching the movie. But um, in terms of like, you know, I, I mean, in terms of like sort of like the, the queerness of it, like what, what has really like stood out to you in terms of like this movie as like, in, like representing like queerness and like a more like, you know, restricted or like repressed kind of um environment well the really funny thing is the way that i i've noticed or noticed at the time or recollect uh that that british films were just so much more willing to be very matter of fact Mm -hmm. about sexuality and and movies about queerness versus the way that that u.s films did at the time and even yeah. kind of still do now yeah which are yeah. very trepidatious and very careful um and this was whether it's like this or like beautiful thing or prick up your ears or with nail and i it's just very matter of fact and i i'm i'm still kind of in awe uh or maurice i mean Morris, I should say, sorry, right. Morris, uh, which was also on my list to pick because that is, you know, and also a very, very hot and sexual. Yeah. But, um, but I think it was, I think it's the frankness of this and the way too that their relationship, like say you go in completely blind, completely, um, it kind of sneaks up on you. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are like flirty, but it's really that like 45 minute mark where they kiss. You're just like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just um I just really appreciated at the time the yeah, the the frankness that this movie has and the uh the way that, that that British films treated sexuality. Yeah. Because like I, I think alongside the frankness, like I hate like movies about like queer teenagers where there's always that moment of like like oh my god we're, we we got caught and now it's like the whole thing and there's like or I mean not even just like queerness but even like any kind of like teen movie or like movies about young people where there's that thing where like oh no we got caught and now we're getting lectured or like whatever and there's always that sort of or like, blackmailed or blackmailed or yeah and um or like outed in any sense i just like don't like that i feel like it's really it always really rings hollow to me and it feels like very cheap but and also feels like a little punishing too and um i think that like with this movie the fact that like 
there's really no like there is that scene of you know the famous scene in the, in the movie i think one of the one of the best parts of the movie is like you know uh when they're in the back of the laundrette and i'm sure we'll all talk a lot about it but like there's no like blowout from this there's no outing there's no like um i don't know if these kids oh i mean they omar and johnny they even have like closet anxiety like i think it's there at some point but it's not something that starts like this movie isn't a coming out movie it's like it feels very frank. It feels very honest. It feels just like they're, yeah, they have to like hide who they are, but they also like can just like exist as a romantic couple and like have the sexual attention and like, ex- like they can exist like within this world, both as, you know, workers in this laundrette and also like in their own little space as, a ro- as, you know, people who are romantically involved. And to me, that feels very fresh and feels very, modern i mean even even now i don't we hardly ever see movies like that where there is no that like there isn't that like super tension about like coming out yeah it's such a it's really great the way that it is presented because they are so like kind of open and physical with each other but the movie does also make a point of recognizing that 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 we're sort of we're sort of in the place of like say Tanya mm-hmm. uh, in the scene where uh, where where Omar takes uh, Johnny's that the eyelash out and the yeah. intimacy of that and she's looking right at them and at. at Omar specifically, like, oh, okay, I know what's going on here now. You know, right. after she just tried to fuck him. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I love her too. Tanya's whole like sub story and how she gets uh, uh, a, a a cool ending too, as right. well as Rachel. Love it. Love, love. Um, but there's, it's just such an interesting way to to present their intimacy because it does feel like they don't really care um yeah they 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 take a lot of risks uh that that we that we too often see you know like 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 one person in this you know secret queer romance will always be a little more uh affectionate than the other and so you see one push the other away or join their friends in bullying them so that they don't look queer and we don't really have that here it breaks so many molds that uh, it's it feels yeah i i watched it feeling like we don't even get stuff like this today we yeah. get such a cookie cutter version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, the Criterion essay for this film is written been, written by Safraz Manzor, of course, journalist, writer, uh, subject of another really great um, South Asian British film, Blinded by the Light, directed by um, Gurinder Chadha, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, in, in his essay, he kind of wrote that um, this movie felt very... Um, this movie felt like very like uh, modern and like boundary pushing for its depiction of you know Pakistani people in in England, um, and that uh, I I, wanna, I just want to read this quote that because um, I feel like it kind of plays into this like frankness and like um, like non cookie cutter depiction of queerness because. Um, he says, the Pakistanis I knew worked in factories and corner shops and drove taxis, or they were unemployed. Alcohol and homosexuality were completely absent from this world. In the film, however, the characters drink. Some have bohemian sensibilities, and others are successful entrepreneurs. In Thatcher's England, Omar's enterprising uncle Nasser, played by Saeed Jaffrey, claims, there is money in the muck for those who have the energy and drive to squeeze the tits of the system. And I really, you know, to me, like that quote symbolizes just like how this movie is so um, just, it it feels very modern. It feels like these are like Pakistani people who have immigrated or who are born in England 
and just like have adapted into you know 1980s western culture in a way and i think that really translates to omar and tanya as well because um they feel like people who are kind of somewhat free internally at least of sort of like the repressive nature of you know their eastern cultures um and that the people that are in the film you know like nasser and salim um and you know even uh omar's father and just the other people at these like parties and stuff just feel very much like we are going to live our lives you know with these quote-unquote bohemian sensibilities or with these like more like western influenced um ways and so that i think to me that frees up omar to really not have that like anxiety around feeling repressed or feeling like he needs to keep you know one eye kind of like one eye like looking over his shoulder while he's being more affectionate and i think also having someone like johnny who is um seems very much like in like master of his own kind of destiny type like he very like does what he needs to do and does what he wants to do. Like also having him as a partner frees him up as well. And I, 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 again, I feel that like this kind of, I think like this character Omar just feels so like, as you're saying, feels so unique even now when I feel like there's a, a lot of, um, I feel like there's a lot of like pressure of assimilation into like straight culture for, for like in, in like queer movies now, or at least there's like a thing of like, we're all just the same, but, and it, and it's, it feels a little different in my beautiful Andrade. It feels like these people are assimilating to British culture, but in a way that is, um, feels more radical because they're also like deviating from a more like oppressive or repressive thing. And like when we see Nasser's wife, I mean, she's very, you know, she's very cultural. She's a kind of a stereotype and she's kind of stuck in, you know, I mean, she wears West, she wears Eastern outfit. She has her curse thing and, you know, and she seems very like, um, she reminds me of a lot of like South Asian immigrants who feel like they are still living in the home country. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people like that. Um, that's something that we always talk about in my family are like, who are the aunts and uncles that act like they're still in India? And like, why do they yeah. come to, why do they come to America versus who are the ones that are like actually trying to like make a home and, and, carve out a whole new identity uh, and like you know w whether the depiction of that is you know positive or negative i think is up to debate and i know that there was definitely a lot of criticisms about um the depiction of pakistani immigrants um at the time and, and even now um because uh manzura goes through all that in his criterion essay as well but i think the point of this film is to really show this like community of people who are uh, transgressive in how they're acting and trying to carve out, you know, what it means for them to be living in England in Thatcher era, um, which is something that, that really jumped out to me is this, you know, the, the, the political undertones of this film, which I do want to get into. Um, yeah. It's and just the, so fascinating to me. The other part of that really great monologue that, that Nesser has is, uh, in this country, which we hate and love, right? <laughs> anything you want. Yeah. That I mean, is such an underlying theme of the entire story of yeah. their immigrant story of that assimilation of being queer. Uh, it's, it's the theme of, of the whole thing. And I love it. And there's just sort of this, this glimmer that Omar has in that moment mm -hmm. that really kind of that that solidifies that and like hating and loving the country that you immigrate to is I feel like a almost universal experience you know for immigrants and um I mean even like I mean I'm not an immigrant but like um even I I found this thing of just like I mean I guess that's a very American thing too of just like we love America and we hate America because that's just like I mean politically that's just always kind of where we are yeah. um and uh, yeah and I, I really like that line because i also feel that like again the the parallels between nasser and omar you know within like you know nasser has his own unconventional boundary breaking romance um totally and you know that that the parallel with omar i feel like is really interesting because it's kind of like the secret that no one knows but everyone kind of knows but then they also don't know it's like this thing of like, you know, I mean, I love this scene when Tanya is like, you know, I don't mind that my father has a mistress, 
and I don't mind that he spends his money on you. I do mind that, like, you're being supported by a man, <laughs> which I thought was really a really kind of clever is take on her character and kind of like what her philosophies are. Um, and kind it's of an like extraordinary what, scene. And what Rachel's line, yeah. response is, is equally as yeah. uh, not like cutting or mean, which I think is the great thing about that scene. Yeah. But you know, her retort, you know, who are you being supported by? Isn't really like, you know, well, screw you too. It's like, we are more alike than you think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I I find that this movie like does a, such a good job of showing all these characters in these sort of like shades of gray. Like, you know, no one character is like totally, you know, quote unquote evil or saintly. Everyone has like, they all have their own like, um, uh, not duplicitous, but like their own like kind of dualities of kind of like of their existence, um, you know, and they all have these contradicting various um you know character attributes that are always kind of wrestling with each other and that's what makes them so fascinating and why like this movie opens itself up on rewatch over i mean like i could watch this movie like once a year you know and probably will kind of keep it in rotation because like it's just so fascinating to me and also i mean just like the look of the film is so fascinating to me as well um it is it's it's gorgeously shot i love the graininess versus a a crispy you know glossy version yeah i I like that one of uh one of the things i really love about this movie is its production design like there's a scene um at salim's house you know when he comes out in the towel and takes that uh, his associate into the room and he's like omar just watch whatever and just like the furniture the lamps the blinds the television the phones like the shelves it just feels so like it feels very like um 80s era like ostentatious gaudy like very much like i'm a rich successful immigrant so i'm gonna buy expensive things to show off that you know i made it in this like white man's country um and even just like the this you know all the houses and the bars and the restaurants it just has that like as you're saying that like kind of grady like 80s look to it that I find so like I just find it so inviting to watch especially now when like I feel like movie sets have become more like minimalist over the last like 20 years or so so it's yeah either that yeah or you know you'll something will be shot now you know to take place in the 80s or whatever yeah and it draws so much attention to itself right right. like look how 80s we're we're being look at look at this tape recorder look at this couch (laughs) look how 80s we are and obviously it already was the 80s so there wasn't a need to to have any type of right right it felt it feels very authentic like yeah it just feels like what it is yeah draw attention to itself in the way that uh that some that film sometimes can but to your point i love that yeah that that salim's place and and some of the furniture intentionally does that as the for the character right it it feels very much like what you would see in like um i don't know like not american psycho but like one of those movies about like kind of reagan era like excess um and or like a brian de palma movie you know like I was gonna say, thought, I, I, but Celine probably feels like Scarface, right? <laughs> I for the reason I thought of that like apartment tower in uh, Body Double, the like that one that's like this, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's a podcast, but like the <laughs> famous Body Double apartment, uh, and just like how like these like sleazy guys just like have these like really like elaborate apartments. Um, you just gotta love it. I think it's very charming. I wish we'd go back to that kind of decoration. I totally have a house like that. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, <laughs> I love uh, what the, the laundrette ends up looking like. It's yeah. so adorable and charming and, and just, it's pretty gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it has a nice little back room for sex, you know. For things. Like every, um, I mean, that's like my favorite scene in the movie. You know, Nasser and Rachel in the front dancing to that waltz, and then the two of them in the back making love. And um, 
it's just so like it's so tender it's romantic on both ends and um i even feel like nasser kind of under like when he does find them in the back i feel like it goes unspoken but i think he kind of at least on some subconscious level he's, he kind of knows what's going on but oh I yeah just, i just love the cutting back and forth and the music and the dancing and Again, it like, gives so much dignity to to Nasser and Rachel's relationship, which could, which I feel like could be written off as like some like sleazy affair. But I actually do think that they are somewhat in love, you know, and I think they do have a deep connection. Oh, and I, yeah. uh, I love uh, Shirley Anfield's. Yeah, yeah, so she's great. Much uh-huh. this this is. <laughs> I hate it though because I was watching it. And, and, you know, looking at her and how she looks and everything about her and how, like, in 2023, it would, like, like gay Twitter would just be like, yes, I know. bitch, you go colonize her. <laughs> just absolutely just, <laughs> just kind of ruin it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's so true. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, my God. That's too funny. Um, so what are some of your favorite like parts of the movie? I mean, I know there's a lot of really iconic, you know, scenes and moments, but what are some things that like jump out for you? Um, um I mean, I, I, I think, I think clearly, you know, over the, the decades of having seen it and thinking about it, uh, that sex scene in the back room is really was such a at least it felt like at the time such a groundbreaking moment mm-hmm. um and it's funny because after being a little while since I've seen it it was shorter than I remember yeah um and you know they're not like it's not like full frontal or even like behind and and right right those movies were really certainly more willing to to like show everything uh like you know room with the view same year also dan j lewis yeah There's full frontal um so in your in my mind's eye i was thinking that i was seeing more than i was which is also such a super a uh, clever thing to do with a sex scene. And I think that the thing that does it and the thing that makes it so um, kind of raw and real besides the cinematography is the beads of sweat on Daniel Day-Lewis's back. Yeah. I can't tell you how ingrained in my head that visual is. Because it it turned that into here's two probably straight guys, you know, trying to pound it out, you know, for a movie. And it totally felt like something else. It felt so real uh, in a way that I just I I had not seen before. Um, and so it's just yeah, that's, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm just being horny um, because it's the sex scene, but it has an enormous impact and influence and and everything it, it, it you know, it, it, it had. So I, I, I think about it a lot in just the grand scheme of where we are, how is representation look, why does right. it look the way it look? Uh, and I just, I just think it is such an extraordinary scene. I mean, even some of my favorite queer movies, especially the ones centered around men, feel very shy around showing like actual like kissing and you know, and just like sex, you know, and like you know, we think I think of like the famous like pan away and call by your name or the like very strange sex scene in Brokeback Mountain, which is both movies I absolutely love. Both movies that I think are masterpieces, just like this movie is. But um they definitely have this sort of element of like not showing stuff. And you contrast that to like any movie around queer women, you're gonna see a lot more nudity, you're gonna see a lot more sex. And I think um you know, I mean I don't uh I don't want it again. Like I don't want to seem like I'm just, you know, sex crazed in any way. But 
it definitely like this kind of intimacy in this movie like I agree with you like I remembered more nudity I remembered it being longer I remember it being a little bit more graphic but um I think it's just because like the scene is just so close and intimate and there's such a like intensity to it and heat to it that like even like um it just like it feels more visceral and it feels more like um yeah it feels just like really intense and sexy and hot and I think it's a really a credit to like the small details like the sex and the way that it were so close and the like just like the rhythms of it the music of it um just feels like very yeah like it feels groundbreaking and I think even to this day like feels very strange not strange yeah. but like a uh, unique I guess it, it does and it is you know shot off center so that we can see Rachel and Nasser yeah doing yeah. their thing in in the front so you know we know just by virtue of that that they're gonna get caught right. and it is the only time where they do feel like oh my god we have to like we we, we have to you know yeah. put our clothes on oh my god and it's all like oh yeah we fell asleep yeah. and <laughs> looking at them like Girl. I think he's he has a line of like we got shagged out, which I thought was very funny. Yes. Well, <laughs> and even right before that, uh, he he says to Rachel, "Where are those buggers?" And I'm like, "You're gonna find out in just a second. <laughs> I love that. It's just kind of you know, it, it, yeah. It's um, yeah, yeah. I know an another really famous part of the movie is the ear licking, uh, which is on the cover of the Criterion. And I think, like, you know, <laughs> I always, <laughs> I always forget that, like, I mean, I, I always forget that that, like, is, like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, that, like, Dana Day-Lewis, like, being someone who is, like, such a, like, esteemed and serious actor, like, it's hard for me to reconcile him in this movie versus, like, him, even in, like, My Left Foot, which comes out, like, what, four or five years later? Yeah. Especially him and like there will be blood. Like it's just like hard for me to understand that it's like the same actor because like this performance is so just like I, I mean he's always raw and intense and you know like but I just can't like the ear licking just feels so like Im improvised and feel I know it's probably not improvised but it just feels so like spur of the moment it feels very spontaneous and like I just don't associate him with like that kind of acting because he's so methodical and purposeful and studied yeah um and then like i i i really love this like pre-famous era of Dandy lewis like room with the view like i mean that's a great movie as well and um i just like to me it's like it's like these little moments of intimacy make this movie feel more like erotic than anything that would have like a lot of like graphic nudity and like whatever like it's just because like that's so it's so quick it's so fast it's so like it feels very like a secret thing that they that he can get away with you know um and that smile on his face when he does it too yeah. because it's right there in front of his you know skinhead nihilist anarchist you know crew yeah right and it's so purposeful at the same time uh, and spontaneous and it's yeah. he just knows that they might be like what What's going on? Wait right. a minute. What? <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's it's fearless. And I yeah. love that. They're I mean, they're both pretty fearless though. They really are. I mean, even like they're just I feel like the scenes of like tenderness between them just have this like I think the um the like the romance and intensity of it just gets styled up because of how like brazen they are around like showing affection, like you know the scene when um they're he's like kind of uh kissing johnny's neck in front of the window or i feel like there's always they're always in danger of like getting caught but because they don't care about it, it just feels so much more like uh passionate and i that's i find that to be really radical in this movie even to this day you know 35 plus years later that's what's so funny what i think sometimes that that filmmakers don't understand because we have really so much more freedom now to present kind of anything and yeah. whether it's television or or film and that is the most subversive thing that you can do is kind of the most boring and the most obvious yeah 
instead of trying to create a situation that feels subversive, what what they're doing just kind of is because it's already an act of radicalism. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, like this movie just feels so simple on paper and yet it creates this entire whole universe. Um, I was reading on Wikipedia that apparently a couple of years ago, Kumail Nanjiani was like developing like a, a show based on this movie. And uh, I don't know if that's happening anymore. I think COVID probably killed whatever chances it had yeah. of getting greenlit and made. But I was like, yeah, because I, it makes sense speak that this could become a TV show because like you want to spend time with these characters. Like they're all interesting. This movie ends on kind of a question mark for everyone, you know? Um, like I, I feel like I always remember this movie having a sad ending between Omar and Johnny, but I forgot like the ending shot of the two of them kind of splashing each other uh with the stink water so romantic so sexy oh so cute so charming so adorable. daniel day lewis walks so timothy chalamet could run <laughs> right, the original exactly. skinny white twink I, honestly um there's so like oh my god it's it's so cute and it's like yeah like their lives really do continue after that the end kind of spins into frame um and uh, so did you have any flashbacks to everything ever all at once with all the laundry? <laughs> For some reason, like, I was like, wow, now that's two queer movies that are have a lot of laundry. In you know, I, and on, I, I didn't, but I, I probably should have. That's so funny. That's so funny. I mean, it's it starts, you know, with the car wash and with yeah. you know, Salim trying to get Omar to do something. Yeah. Uh, and then turns into the, the laundromat. I totally did not. <laughs> <laughs> but I love uh, it. I was just, you know, you see like the credits are like spinning and I'm just like thinking about the bagel <laughs> and Joju Dabaki. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this movie just has this like, it feels like the world continues after the end credits, which is like something I really value in movies. Um, like I want to finish a movie being like, I want to spend, you know, eight seasons with these characters. I mean, I'm kind of glad that there is no show cause like, you know, it couldn't live up to it, but um, you know, I think it's, it's always a good feeling when you just like want to spend time with the characters and you want the movie to go on after it ends. You know, I love the bloop, bloop, bloop of the soundtrack yeah. so much. <laughs> so so much and it starts there and it ends with that which really does give us a very positive vibe of what their future is and everybody's yeah. in a very transitional mm -hmm. uh place at the end of this everybody is right uh but it it all feels positive i don't think anybody i mean other than obviously Salim getting the shit kicked out of him Nobody really has like an ending that is tragic and hi, love not having a non-tragic ending of a queer movie. Right, so. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, again, this movie feels so radical, even for now. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, even like, I mean, I love an esoteric happy ending that's like half sad, half happy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I love you know, portrait laid on fire. I like my big hot take on that movie is that it has a happy ending. Um, but, um, <laughs> but like, and I think even same with like broke back home by your name, where like I love that kind of where it kind of like toes the line there. But with this movie ending on these like two queer boys just like playing and, and flirting and you know, just having a romantic moment, it just felt very much like, oh wow, like it felt it felt empowering. And I, I don't like using that word because it feels a little surface level but it does feel it does it did, did give me that feeling of like wow like these kids might actually you know make it or at it's least very not, that you know? it's very that and again the most subversive thing you can do is not be right not have this be like a big like you know fight or a big like he, they have to separate because like you know and i think even like removing tanya from, from the situation of like let, letting her have her um you know, her own happy ending, mystery, whatever that, whatever life comes for her, I'm sure she'll be successful and happy. But even like taking her out of there where it's always, you know, where she's not always going to be living her life as like maybe bride and like, you know, maybe Omar will be able to like live his own life without being pressured to marry a family friend's daughter, you know? Yeah. 
that's that that is that's definitely how it felt and it's it's just so thoughtful in that yeah. regard um which i i really liked yeah um i don't know um you know i i don't know if i can like really quantify steven freer's career um because he's had so many amazing movies like i covered high fidelity on this podcast last summer i believe um and i mean i love dangerous liaisons philomena um you know i i mean i i like the queen even i mean he's done a lot of really great movies and a lot of really not great ones but do you what's your like do you have a take on stephen fears do you have like what's the kind of like what's your you know because he's yeah i think this movie really shot him to fame in a sense um and so it feels really impactful and so uh, yeah i mean he your... he did uh prick up your ears after this which gary oldman gay movie and yeah. another one of those examples of like oh wow this is an actor that we see as this now yeah <laughs> and looking at their early work which is like so much cooler and <laughs> yeah and more subversive because that's what happens before you get famous. Right, right. You have the freedom to do things. You don't have the freedom to do what you want when you get famous. You have the freedom to do what you want when you aren't famous. And he, I, I think, I, I think Freer's capitalized on that without, you know, intentionally doing that. It was just the early eighties. Yeah. Um. I'm. I am in general a big fan because, yeah, Laundrette. Prick up your ears, dangerously as on the grifters. Ah, uh, the grifters. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, not that, you know, he doesn't have his his flop era. I think you know, <laughs> Mary Riley and Miss Henderson presents and stuff like that are very I don't want to say boring or safe. I think Miss Henderson presents is boring and safe. Mary Riley wasn't safe but it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do, I mean, I do think he peaked in that eighties era. That yeah. was his time. He has just four movies that are phenomenal films. And like, I feel like, you know, dangerous liaisons is a movie that is, you know, kind of, for me, had the reputation of being very like stuffy '80s period piece, like you know whatever. And then I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, this is pretty like intense and hot." And you know, like I can like, how am I attracted to John Malkovich, but also repulsed, you know, repulsed by him? Like how, like it, it, it was very a really surprising watch. Um, and you know, I'm a big Philomena fan. That's like I think that was. I mean, I still love that movie. I've watched it so many times. Um, mm. And because I feel like that movie also, like, has the, like, veneer of being, like, um, you know, kind of standard Oscar bait, you know, boring movie. But I find that to be another, I mean, surprisingly queer movie, which I did not know watching it. And it becomes a really sensitive one, mm -hmm. um, and which is a really pleasant surprise. Um, and so, yeah, I mean... I mean, I, I, when I was looking at his career, I found that it's, it's surprisingly varied. Like you say, like he has the like, what more wild 80, 80s movies. He has the prestige movies. He has like the drift, the grifters, um, which is a, you know, he has Dangerous liaison. So he, it's like he's all over the place, which I like. And I Dirty feel like Pretty he, Things is good too. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. I don't think I've seen that in like a long, long time, but. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just like it's surprising. I feel like I wish I wish he got more credit for like having a really kind of unpredictable career because um, I, I think it's really interesting. If you haven't seen Sammy and Rosie Get Laid, I also recommend that. Okay, I also definitely. right in the heart of his you know late eighties height. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely wanted uh, the one with Gary Oldman. What was that called again? Prick up your ears. Oh, I don't think God. I've seen that. I need to watch it. So good. So good. One of his very best performances. Okay. Because, like, I'm really not a Gary Oldman fan, to be honest. I um, definitely at least am not, like, yeah. <laughs> because he had said Nancy the year before, which right. is maybe my all-time favorite male performance in an, any film ever, ever, ever. I think it is 
like a top 10 of all time film. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I was obsessed. I, 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 yeah, I think I watched it like every day, literally every day for like, oh, a year. I was, that's obsessed. amazing. I was a big Sex Pistols fan. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, kind of why I was like so into like Daniel Day-Lewis and Laundrette because I was like, oh, okay, this was when I was in my punk rock, you know, <laughs> loving phase. And so, yeah. I mean, that's that's amazing. I just like, I, I don't know, maybe because I'm getting older, like I just find that like something was lost in the last like 20 years as you've gotten away from, I mean, I was, I was born in 89, but even like you know in the 90s just like the the way like i was saying earlier like the way that our family parties were or the way that our dinner parties were and like the way that we interacted like something i think i mean you know i always like to say like 911 was kind of a, a major turning point i mean that's not so that's i didn't create that idea but like yeah but it wasn't just that though it was just like maybe it's technology maybe it was something it was, i don't know it's just something maybe there's just like pure nostalgia you know cuz like i'm getting older and like Again, like, I wonder what kids who are, like, 14, like, how they, like, are they going to feel this way in 20 years about, you know, that? I don't know. But, and, like, when I watched a movie like My Beautiful Lingerette, which felt, which feels very subversive and transgressive, um, I'm, like, I just, I don't know. I can't think of any queer movie that comes out now in the last 20 years that feels this way, you know, in the way that this movie does. That has yeah. this, like, sense of time and place. Even the ones I love, you know. Me too. Me too. And I, th I think, I think, uh, you know, like I was saying, because we have so much freedom now, whether it's film yeah. or television, of what we can show. There is, and not, to be clear, I'm not trying to, you know, be nostalgic about uh, an era of censorship or anything ridiculous. Like right. That. Right. But when when you had to be a little more mm, careful or subtextual or something like that about things, it did require a level of creativity and yeah. ingenuity that was, that's not needed so much now. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, th I think, I think we're kind of stuck in an era where the most subversive thing you can do is to be uh the the goriest or the perviest or the most naked you could possibly be and that's right. that's kind of where we've sort of hit this this kind of ceiling there of of what it means to be subversive and transgressive and progressive yeah yeah and it feels that um yeah like there's that certain like amount of like creativity and artfulness around kind of dancing around certain things and um i mean because you know this movie it, it's not that like i don't think this movie is like centered in any way so it's it, i i agree mm -hmm. that like i don't want to run the risk of being like we need more censorship because that's not what i'm saying but i also feel that even with this freedom I feel like like the wrong lessons are being learned from it is where it's more like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like, let's be the most violent. Let's have the most nudity. Let's do this and that rather than really finding ways to like be like more like narratively and thematically and like visually subversive beyond just like the shock value of like not being worried about ratings or censorship or whatever. So yes, exactly. yeah, there's something definitely. And like, I mean, also like, a lot of mainstream movies are so cookie cutter because they have to appeal international. They have to be four quadrant. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I also think that because celebrities are so um, involved in like social media and whatever, they also like have to protect their image. Um, you know, like I wonder if Daniel Day-Lewis would ever do a queer movie again and probably not, you know. I don't uh, know about that. I think of all people, he probably would. Yeah, I mean, Phantom Thread is basically a queer movie. Like, where, where is the, <laughs> where is the sequel to My Beautiful Laundrette, where they right. are still running that place? Yeah, <laughs> hand it off to like a new generation. I don't care, whatever it is. That's that's yeah. that's what that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and I totally. Uh, I mean, I, I would love this sequel. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm not giving him enough credit as someone who has done pushed himself a lot in different ways, but 
Um, I mean, you think about someone like Gary Oldman or, I mean, oh, yeah. I guess like the one that I would also see doing other movie is like a Ewan McGregor type because he feels very like outside of like, you know, I need to be like a capital N, capital S movie star kind of thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's so many of these like, you know, young actors who take a lot of risks when they're, you know, 18 to like 29 or whatever. And then as they get older, they just become so safe. It's the, it is the crossover from wherever you're from to the U.S. film system. Yeah. That really does yeah, it. That's yeah, true. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's really much more, uh, a velvet gold mine in Ewan McGregor's future. Yeah. I mean, I hope so, but yeah, I agree. I don't think so either. Yeah. I think, um, I think once that, that crossover happens, they they kind of achieve just yeah just a, a mainstream sort of steadfast yeah I mean, I mean one thing to remember about my beautiful Andrade is that it was kind of made for television yeah. um and but because of it had a really strong reception they gave it a theatrical release and then of course it was a big hit a big crossover hit nominated for an oscar for its screenplay um so you know it's it's a great nomination um i, I think I, I think i lost to what hannah and her sisters yeah um there was which, no way it was yeah. it was gonna yeah know, and like look that. <laughs> yeah um it's a good category though it's yeah. a good good category good year um but yeah i mean i guess like i mean i don't know if mainstream british movies were would have been this transgressive at that time either so i don't want to give like too much credit to like you know mainstream movies anywhere but um definitely like this kind of definitely i feel like this movie like it had a lot of influence and it had a lot of um took a lot of risks and i i think risks that paid off and that i, I wish you would see more of you know now 35 what 38 years later yeah and and at the beginning we were talking just very very briefly about the the political elements of it mm -hmm. too and they they you know, name check Thatcher right at the beginning. And it's another thing that I feel like, and maybe it's just my memory, you know, sort of not serving me as well as I think that it does. Um, but British films were also much more willing to take direct jabs at yeah. their government than US films really were in the 80s. And still are. And kind of still are. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah, it just, it felt very different. Yeah. Uh, and, this, and so it just got to be political without being, I don't know, like underlining it, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like this movie does a really amazing job of like towing the line between like kind of like satirizing kind of Thatcher era capitalism, but also like being a little bit in it, you know, like Omar, yes. you know, one thing that really jumped out at me is how much, He's very ambitious. He's very, you know, they call him greedy a few times. Like, he's very much like, I want to succeed. I want to be rich. Um, and uh, and I feel like this movie kind of, like, on, like, is, is, like features that genuinely, but then also is poking a little fun at it, a little, it's a little bit more knowing about that, which, again, is, is it's a tricky act this movie is playing, but I think it pulls off really well. Yeah, that's, it's... The, the 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 thread of capitalism throughout this is such a, a major one because it is the it is so often the the immigrant story that that you you have to you do have to assimilate you do have to play the game and uh, rather than try and create a new one yeah. And so it's it is such a crucial part of this, and and again the thread of of the whole thing is, do you assimilate or do you do your own thing? I mean that's always that is the I feel like that's just a central universal question of all, a lot of queer movies and movies about immigrants and just movies about people who are this deviating from you know the heteronormative patriarchal white centric you know lifestyle or culture or whatever um and i i feel like this yeah this movie just does a really incredible job of like balancing all that and feeling like even in like in 95 minutes like 
Mm-hmm. It's crazy how short this movie is because it packs in so much and it feels so complete and feels very, um, you know, it feels very whole. Uh, even though you could watch a two and a half hour movie about this and probably be very entertained. Yeah, but I think it's also why I think a series would be maybe less interesting. Yeah, I agree. Than this, I think. Yeah, I think, I think it does everything it needs to in that just beautifully short runtime. Yeah. Are there any kind of final thoughts or like scenes you wanted to bring up or moments from the film that you want to just kind of give a shout out to before we um, start to finish up here? Well, um, I, I think kind of uh, along the lines again of, of, of thinking about how modern versions of, you know, coming out stories and queer romances almost always do have that uh that moment where one in the pairing kind of goes against the other to mm-hmm. save face there really isn't that here they do have that one little fight in the bedroom where he's like you work for me yeah <laughs> and 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 he really tries to kind of create the a uh, a class and a work dynamic, uh, uh, Omar with with Johnny, uh, very short lived, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the the violence of Johnny's friends on the laundromat on Salim, and then on Johnny, even that doesn't feel like the versions of that kind of thing that we get in stories like this now mm-hmm. which again feel very expected and you i mean i love something like love simon i really really love yeah it. yeah uh but yeah you know a black male story feels very ordinary um and there there isn't that here and even even when the craziness of uh johnny's friends goes to him and they start beating the shit out of him it's it's not presented in a way that is i don't know like a bolded underlined italicized you know they're not calling him fag or they're not doing right it's, it, it just doesn't feel like what we would get now and so I I never felt and I never feel like any of those scenes feel like they are more than they are. It's just, you know, these horrible, insane people just doing horrible, insane things. Yeah. Uh, and it just it, it just kind of keeps that's that's the mode of the whole movie of the whole story. It's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Never drawing attention to the thing that it's trying to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. No, I totally agree with you. And I think adding to that, you know, I think one thing that I find so frustrating about, you know, queer movies now is that it does have to be very explicit. It does have to be very much like this is the theme of the movie or this is the narrative twist that we have to take. Whereas in um, in My Beautiful Andrade, I feel like all these decisions that the characters make and all the ways that the, the plot functions feel so steeped in like a really rich theme or rich kind of narrative texture of, you know, 80s era capitalism, the immigrant experience, the, you know, skinhead experience and all that. So because it's so, it feel, everything feels so subtle because there's so much riding on all this, um, in all these moments so that it doesn't, yeah, exactly. You don't have to hear any slurs because it's not just about that. It's about a lot of different other things. And the film is smart enough to trust its audience to get it, which I always appreciate in a movie um, mm-hmm. because it allows for really thoughtful discussions like this one. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm really glad you chose this movie. Thanks so much because it's um, a, a, an absolute joy to rewatch and a, a total pleasure on my part to be here um, with you talking about it. So thank you so much, Eric. I had a really lovely time um chatting with you please um let the listeners know kind of where you know where you are what what you're working on anything exciting coming up for you 
Sure. And and thank you for for asking me because it it you know allowed me to to look past Brokeback Mountain <laughs> and really kind of look at a queer story that meant a lot to me and still does. Uh, and and I hope that people seek it out. It's on HBO Max yeah. right now, uh, which is where I rewatched it just yesterday to be as fresh as possible. <laughs> uh, so, oh my God, please, anybody listening, uh, watch it because it is absolutely integral queer canon. You yeah. have, you kind of have to. This has to be a part of of uh, uh, queer studies, of queer film, of any of it. If you, it just has to be, um, so I'm I'm so happy to to be able to revisit it and talk about it because it's not something I talk about all the time. I don't. It doesn't. I don't think about it, and I got to think about it for yeah. <laughs> this last week, you know, and yeah. and just and be nostalgic. So it's an absolute treat for me to to be here. Um, you can always find me at awardswatch.com, of course, and at awards underscore watch on Twitter, where I just say the dumbest things possible. <laughs> uh, yeah. There, Great. there we are. And we've got Emmy stuff coming because Emmy. it's Emmy season. Oh, my God. Too much TV. <laughs> Um, too much to be. I was listening to um, I don't know another podcast, and they were saying like how there's so much TV, but it always feels like the same few shows are always kind of in the conversation at all times, like Succession, White Lotus, Ted Lasso, uh, Yellow Jackets, Yellowstone, and I'm like I I mean I don't know I'm so bad at keeping up with TV, so I looking forward to all your coverage so I know you know what shows I, I should pretend to watch when I talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> that's the funny thing about TV there's there's so much of it now that it it actually doesn't like help yeah <laughs> it, it makes the choices even more reduced because nobody has the time so they're right. just gonna concentrate on like 10 shows yeah yeah absolutely uh, but yeah looking forward to all the coverage um, you can find me on Twitter at Vertigate314. Also, follow the podcast at ipod2bu. Uh, remember to rate, review, subscribe. Help people find this show. Um, looking forward to the next few months talking about queer romance movies. Um, and yeah, Eric, again, thanks so much for being here. It was a, such a pleasure to have you. Um, and listeners, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. 